Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, welcome to the PJ Podcast. Hope the end of your year hasn't been too hectic and you're starting to be able to chill out now. Enjoy the sunshine, if there is any where you're living right now. Um, I wanted to wrap up the year with something really fascinating. We're talking sex, baby, and I'm not talking S-E-X, I'm talking S-E-C-T-S. Looking into the world of cults. Now, look, I know, I completely appreciate that we're literally diving into the surface of this and there is... So much information out there. But for a bit of an introductory um, lesson or episode, I am joined by the wonderful Sarah Steele. She is the award-winning monthly podcast host of Let's Talk About Sex. Every episode that comes out, Sarah takes a deep dive approach looking at the history of the cult leaders, the recruitment of members, their experiences, psychological aspects, and notable incidents during the existence. Um, oh, I didn't even know where to start. We we tackle quite a lot in this episode, and I really wanted to look into the why. Why people join a cult? Because that's, I personally think, the most fascinating question, and also why they don't leave. There's so much judgment when it comes to cults when people hear that someone who's been in a cult, you're like, well, I would never do that. How could you even, you know, be so ignorant or naive to join that? It's so complicated. There's so many layers to this whole topic. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode with Sarah Steele from Let's Talk About Sex. Hello. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Okay, so I have to be honest, I know very little about cults, and when I got the opportunity to have you on to talk to me, I was like, wow, what a chance to learn. <laughs> <laughs> what, what got you into this? What made you think, I'm going to start a podcast all about cults? Well, it's interesting you should say that because I think for me it was also an opportunity to learn. Um, I was really interested in how these human dynamics kind of replicate across societies and, and you know, how could it possibly be that people end up in these organisations and do things that are totally against their nature? 
And uh, I was looking for podcasts at the time and there was nothing out there, which is wild now because there are so many, but (laughs) at the time, no. (laughs) So uh, yeah, my background was filmmaking and I thought, oh, podcasts, I could give it a go. So I gave it a go. And it was a lot easier than getting a whole film crew together, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. You just get to sit down in a room and record and go for gold. Yeah. A lot of script writing, though. So it's a lot of research and writing, quite different to conversational. Yeah. Well, like if you look at one episode, you've got so many resources and articles that go in to that hour segment, don't you? Yeah. And I think that that's my kind of... uh, it's just my personality type. It's like I end up with all these tabs open, so many tabs, and until every one of them, I read every one of them and I'm like, no, I've already got that. I've already got that. Yeah, I already knew that. I can't close them. So it's sort of like my compulsive nature to make sure that I feel like I understand as much as I possibly can about every group. What is the biggest thing that has surprised you on the whole since beginning this podcast? I think it's probably the knowledge that I have now that would suggest to me that really any one of us is susceptible to uh, end up in a cult. When I started, I had an idea of, you know, it's a certain type of vulnerable person that ends up in a cult, which I think most people think that too. And it's sort of a self-protective mechanism to think that it's the sort of person that ends up in a cult. It would never happen to me kind of thing. It would never happen Mm. to me, exactly. And the more I researched, I guess that's the thing that I found so interesting as well is that cults, they're not just religious. Most people think cults are just religious offshoots, right? Actually, there are many cults that are political or, you know, come from more new agey groups. Um, there are plenty that have come from self-help courses that have no no religious element to them. So it just struck me that, oh, actually, I could see myself falling into one of those um, activist type groups that says that they want to, you know, Solve the world. all of the problems of the world, you know, and that's the same reasons that anyone joins any cult is they want to improve themselves or they want to dedicate themselves to something bigger than themselves and they just end up falling into the wrong group. So how do you define the difference from one of those groups and a cult? What's the main point? To me, it's the use of coercive control. So it's the control elements, it's uh, all of the limits on people's freedom of choice that makes something a cult. I used to use these three criteria for the podcast because when I started out, that was my question too, what Mm. makes something a cult? And my criteria were around close control of members and particularly with regards to them leaving the group and disengaging with the ideology, really high levels of secrecy about the inside workings. And then also uh, kind of the, I guess there's the the charismatic leadership element. But even that now has become a bit nebulous because there are groups that 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 original leader isn't around anymore, but they've set up a structure which means that that control is still in place over the members. So it is nebulous, but uh, as you know, I wrote wrote a book and uh, based on having looked into so many different cults and seeing so many of the same elements play out amongst the different groups, I was sort of looking much more at what are what are many of these common elements, be they control over sleep, control over food, control over family relationships. That one's really big. Um, the separation from the outside world is also huge, like this sense of us and them that's created in the group. And then kind of breaking down like here are some of the elements that might suggest that you're in a cult. A perfectly healthy group may still have a couple of these elements that maybe they should look at and maybe they should work on. But if there are you know, a number of these elements in place, I think you might want to 
check whether you're in a cult. Wow, it's so fascinating. So your book, it's called Do As I Say, and you really um, go into looking at the behaviours that go beyond the cults that, you know, we all have, essentially, that kind of come up as themes in society. So say you're not part of a cult, but you're showcasing these behaviours. Have you been looking into that? So even just your standard household, um, Mm, where there is mm. that need for control, have you Mm -hmm. kind of explored that? Yes, and I've spoken to people who believe that they really were in a cult of that was just consisted of one family, and that does happen. Wow. So uh, Jess Hill is really good on this, actually, but she she's really an expert. She wrote a book called See What You Made Me Do, which is all about domestic abuse and coercive control in intimate partner relationships. Mm. But she, So she's really expert in that area. But it's all coercive control is sort of on a spectrum, which is around – the same elements that exist in those domestic abuse relationships, whether it's kind of control over communications, um, monitoring communications, isolating people from their friends and family outside of the relationship, they also exist in cults. And that it's just kind of on all on this same kind of continuum. And then that goes all the way really up to kind of authoritarian governments where you've got a totalitarian society that also monitors people's communications, close control of their movements. So all of those same things exist and it's the same types of behaviour that happen. So you can see these dynamics in families and you can see these dynamics in business places. Uh, Many of us will have noticed them in workplaces (laughs) that we've been in. And, you know, there are businesses we've seen that have really turned out to be cults. Like Nexium is quite a good example. What's Nexium? So Nexium, uh, it's Excuse a Excuse my ignorance. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> I, I forget that other people aren't so immersed in this world <laughs> as I am to know all of the shorthands. Nexium, um, it's it's been in the, the media quite a lot because the leader, Keith Ranieri, he was sentenced to many, many, many years in jail, many lifetimes uh, for basically running like a, a slave dynamic within the group. But it was a self-help organisation and many women, like high-profile women, amazing women, they joined this group and they they really believed that they were contributing to a better society mm. and, and creating new, new dynamics and improving their lives. And um, it ran all these classes and then it just got really very toxic at the top. It was all supposed to be about female empowerment, but yet there was this one guy right at the top who was controlling, controlling everything. Yep. Well, that's another theme in, in the cults, which I sort of noticed by listening um, to some of your podcasts. There is, generally speaking, would you say a male domination? Yes. One of the chapters in the book is called Cults are a Feminist Issue. And this chapter I wrote because you do see this dynamic. There are many female cult leaders, but on the whole, uh, you're much more likely to find a male leader and you're much more likely to find women are more dominant in the membership. So more women are likely to join cults. Now, it's really difficult to put numbers on this because the groups are so secretive. There are many that we would never even realise are out there. How many do you think there are out there? I couldn't even begin to guess. I mean, I'm I'm interviewing someone right now for an episode who, you know, this is a group that doesn't have a name. Nobody's ever heard of them. There are no written materials. There are many of these groups out there that are just kind of under the radar and we'd have no idea that they exist. There are so many of them. And there are many groups that people probably don't realise at all are cults. So it's it's very difficult to put a number on it. All I can say is I have a spreadsheet and it grows all the time. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so in terms of the, the male-female dynamic, I guess I would just suggest it's probably because 
it's the same as society. Like we live in a patriarchal society. Women are socialized to be a little more compliant. They're maybe mm. just a bit less likely to ask the questions and to prioritize themselves because they're socialized to be more supportive and more giving. And so it's hardly surprising, I suppose, that that same dynamic plays out in cults. Oh my God, I just can't believe you've got a spreadsheet that's growing. Because I was thinking you are going to be like, no, there's actually not that many these days. Like I know there's lots of subtle ones in society, but in terms of those crazy wild ones that we don't know of, you think there are still a lot of them existing in today's society? Well, I guess it, it depends on what you mean by crazy wild because, <laughs> you know, you do have those groups which like Nexium kind of had this kind of wild sensationalist mm. dynamic like – in, in Nexium, um, women were, were branding each other with Keith Raniere's initials. It was really intense. Wow. Or you've got your, your Jonestowns and your Branch Davidians and the family is the big one in Australia that everyone knows from um, Anne Hamilton Byrne with a female leader. That was probably the most notorious Australian cult in Melbourne. That was kind of a new age yoga cult of the um, 1980s. Yeah. But there are many others that they're not really, they're not going to end up in the news because there's not this huge sensationalist thing that's happening. The sorts of things they're doing are, you know, controlling people's finances, um, just working them to the bone, like having them work really, really long days to feed into the coffers of the leadership. And it's not necessarily something newsworthy is going to come out of them, but there are people who are coming out of these groups every day who are highly, highly traumatised and who really need recognition in society and help to to readjust to society outside of these groups because they haven't had, they've had their choices taken away from them. Yeah, and it's so easy for us to be like, well, why didn't they come out sooner? I cannot imagine how challenging and difficult it would be to be so immersed in that lifestyle that coming out would be terrifying, right? Well, that's exactly right. And you have to you have to think about um what all of the elements that are in play for someone to be considering leaving, many people are born into these groups, so they never chose to join in the first place. They've grown up knowing nothing else, their entire social network, their friends and family, all in the group. And they're told that the outside world is evil, that anyone who's not in the group is, you know, is going to not care about them or worse is going to destroy them, that if they leave, they might be struck by lightning, some horrible thing is going to befall them, they're going to get really ill. And so the the people who I speak to who've come out of these groups, every time I'm like, I'm so impressed that actually they've managed to get out because it's such a huge thing to do. And I always think to myself, like, had I been in their position, would I have had the strength to leave? And I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, actually fitting into society after living in that world how do you find that they adjust the ones that you've spoken to yeah this is a really big issue and I think that this is something that our societies can do an awful lot more about because a, a lot of the times I think authorities have kind of they're between a bit of a rock and a hard place it's very difficult to say well we should make any decisions over someone who has chosen to be in this situation mm. there's issues around religious freedom you know the rights of the child all of this stuff but when someone comes out, I think there's this concept that like, oh, you're free, amazing, you know, <laughs> and actually they're adjusting to a society where they often, something I hear a lot is people who they had no access to any media in their group. So they come out and they can't even really I like have these touch points with other people that, you know, they'd refer to a TV show that they watched or a, a movie from their childhood and they just have these blank spots and they feel like they're such a weirdo and they don't know how to connect oh with people. God. 
And then they might also have huge financial difficulty because oftentimes they haven't been able to earn any money. All of their money has gone straight into the group. So they come out with nothing, like literally nothing. And maybe with many children in certain cases, depending on the group. So the difficulties for someone to readjust to society and to find the right help psychologically, to find a psychologist or a therapist who understands the dynamic of what they've been to, that can be incredibly difficult too. So I think that there is much more we could be doing to help people who've come out of these organisations. Well, you speak about the money. Where Where is the money going in a lot of these cults? Now, I know there'll be many probably different avenues, but what have you found has been a trend? Mm, yeah, it totally depends on the group. But I think <laughs> you'll find in a lot of cases where members are expected to live fairly simply, the same isn't true for the leadership who might be, you know, jetting around the world on first class planes and all of the rest of it. So it, yeah, it absolutely depends on the group. I was just speaking to a journalist about uh, an organization called the 12 Tribes, which I'm not sure if you've heard of them. I have. Was that to do with uh, a food organization or something? They, yeah, they have these kind of organic farms and they make this most amazing food. Uh, I've been to their cafes and and bakeries before, not knowing much about them. Oh, no, don't ruin organic food for me. (laughs) They're not all corrupt, (laughs) are they? (laughs) Only certain ones. No, you're you're perfectly safe. But even then, I mean, it's it's a difficult question. It's how much should the consumer be responsible for such things? I personally have stopped eating that particular yeah, brand yeah, of, of exactly. food well, because enough. I feel, yeah, very conflicted about it. But then, you know, you, you don't want to punish the people who are wonderful people who are That's in these true. groups. But I always thought with this group, for instance, the food, it's amazing. Like they must at least be eating well. Because so many of these groups, they have a lot of control over people's food consumption. And this journalist who's been looking into them, he said, well, in fact, a lot of them are eating, you know, old carrots and old potatoes and not getting enough nourishment. And pregnant women are not getting enough nourishment for their babies because all of that amazing food is going into the stores, which is their public facing aspect. And that's the way that they want to present to the world. So where are they living? Like what's the sort of environment that they're in? That particular group, they're living uh, kind of communally on these on these farms, but they get moved around quite a lot. Right. This is something that happens a lot in cults as well, is people will, will be moved around to different locations. Um, it's one form of control that happens quite often. And so... Why do they do that? Well, in, in, those, in the cases that Tim Elliott looked into, it seemed to be if the families on the outside were trying to reach them too much it was like a punishment for the families on the outside who were kind of (gasps) wanted to maintain some form of contact but if they'd started saying anything negative uh, like a few people spoke out when the 12 tribes were contracted to do uh, some of the food for the Sydney Olympic Games Mm -hmm. and they approached the um, Olympic Games committee and said you know how can you how can you be having these people on board and then as a result of the families having done this their family members were moved somewhere else and they couldn't contact them anymore. So when these people come out and they expose what's really going on behind the scenes why is it still happening like how much are police doing to crack down on this behavior? So this is really tricky unless a crime has occurred, there's very little that the police can do. And, you know, I've spoken to people who've come out of a group, they've gone to the police station, they've said, I spent 30 years of my life in this group. It was a cult. It controlled my entire existence. 
but no crime has been committed. And so the police can't do anything about it, which can be pretty devastating for people. Yeah. But it's interesting. In certain circumstances, there will have been a crime and abuse is pretty rife in a lot of these groups because the way that they operate is they usually feel that they're outside of the law because Mm. they feel that they are a law unto themselves. You know, they are the ones who are in the right. They have access to the absolute truth and everybody else is wrong. So therefore, if anything goes wrong in terms of someone doing something illegal, they'll only want to deal with it within the group. They're the ones that have the power to make the decisions. No external kind of authority figures should be consulted. Mm. And so a lot of cover-ups happen. A lot of cover-ups, there's a lot of um, child abuse in a lot of different groups. There's a lot of sexual abuse in a lot of different groups and they deal with it in-house, which you see in mainstream religion as well. Yeah. But if the police can uncover those kinds of crimes, then they can do something about it. But if that sort of stuff isn't happening, it's coercive control. That's what's happening. And that's interesting because in a few places there are laws that are being um, developed at the moment around coercive control. But as they are now, they only apply to intimate partner relationships. So they wouldn't apply to cults in any of the places that I've looked at. Wow. Would you say there are any cults that don't, well, I suppose it's down to how you're defining it, but don't have that malicious undertone that don't have any of that abusive behavior? Or is that what you just call a group? Yeah, that's just not (laughs) a a cult. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. How, like, obviously some people are born into the these lifestyles and societies but how many people are recruited from you know say a younger age like a teenage kind of age does that happen so the thing I'd say about people who get recruited into most cults and it really Mm. depends on the group some groups are so insular that they don't even recruit anyone and they really focus on breeding more members so they're all about having 10 children or whatever seven children but there are many groups who do recruit. And I would say most people who get recruited, the the only thing they tend to have in common is that they're at a vulnerable stage in their life. So rather than being a vulnerable person, as we might look at mm. them, that someone who maybe they've just come out of a long-term relationship, maybe they've just lost someone who they deeply care about and they're in mourning, but often they are a university student, for instance. So someone who is at that phase of life where they're reassessing what they want to do with their life. And that's when you're thinking, same as when you've lost someone important to you or you've come out of a big relationship, you're reassessing everything and you're you're looking for something to kind of dedicate the rest of your life to, to, to fill that void. And I think that's when you can come across the wrong group if you are out of luck. Yeah, and where would you say these groups are? Like if you've got parents listening or whatever and you're worried that, you know, your children might end up getting pulled into this kind of world, what are red flags? Like, do they lie online? Because I'm thinking that would be a modern way of recruiting, surely. Yes, there are many cults that recruit online. And yes, in the wake (laughs) of the pandemic, the conspiracy theories that have kind of popped up in Mm. off the back of the pandemic, there's a lot of cults that are kind of grabbing onto that sort of thing. Like, QAnon by a lot of people is considered to be a cult or cult-like in the way that it's operating. So I think online, um, also sometimes at universities themselves, there are organisations that they might not yet be recognised as cults, but they could be at an orientation day. 
people I know have come across their groups at uh, festivals like Mind Body Spirit Festivals. Twelve Tribes have food stalls at markets and at other at music festivals. You know, it can be anywhere. And so I think you can't really stop people from coming across these organisations. All you can do is educate people about what are the red flags to look out for. And those red flags are all around coercive control. And so when anyone is kind of asking you to give up all of your money and possessions, obviously that's a big red flag, but often that doesn't happen right away. It might build up to that. So it can slowly chip away over time. And that can be a really difficult thing to look out for. Wow. What are you currently looking into at the moment? Because I'm sure you're constantly researching. Um, Can can you share with us? (laughs) I've got a few on the back burner. Yeah, a a couple of Australian religious cults I'm looking into. Um, The one I mentioned earlier about uh, it's it's a group that doesn't have a name and, you know, there's nothing that you can find online. So those groups are really difficult because you have to speak to a lot of different people to understand what really happened because you can't uh, find other sources to to figure it out. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking what's on the, on the schedule. There are a few that I really, really want to look into and I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to them in the next season or not. What do you fear for your safety when you do, when you're talking to some of these people? Like it must be, there must be some pretty out of it situations where you've had to get the inside word. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, it's. I talk to people who've come out of the cults. Yeah. So, so you've I, never gone on the inside. No, and the the reason for that is most of them don't talk to anyone on the outside. They're so fearful of the outside, or you know, they've put across this particular face. But even if you do go in, you're only ever going to be shown the public face that they want you to see. Um, it's interesting. There's a a New Zealand group. Well, you would know about Gloria Vale. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yep. And so I don't know if you would have seen, there were a couple of documentaries that played on uh, TVNZ that were about Gloria Vale. Um, I've seen ones in the past. I don't know if I've seen the most recent one. Well, so the ones that you would have seen in the past are the ones where these filmmakers, they got ultimate access. They were inside. They were filming these documentaries. They just showed what they showed was this alternative way of life, this completely harmonious and Mm. wonderful place to be. It looked beautiful. And I watched those when I was researching Gloria Vale and I thought, oh, there's no reason for me to cover this group. This isn't a cult. Like it's just a beautiful community. Yeah. As soon as I started talking to people who had come out of that organization, it became very clear that that was not the case. And you'll have seen through the recent court cases that are going on in New Zealand, Mm. that group, there's a lot of problems and it's caused 
a whole lot of trauma for people who've come out of it. The ways that it's controlling people's lives, the the work that that people are made to do, the ways that their family are controlled, their family relationships are controlled. It's pretty horrendous. Well, then again, why is it still running when there's so much knowledge about all this abusive behaviour? How long can it go for now? Surely, will it need more and more people to come out or...? There are a lot of people who've come out and the the Glory of Our Leavers Support Trust is an amazing organisation run by a woman called Liz Gregory and she's a religious woman herself who had seen a lot of people coming out into her local community and she is just a force of nature. Like she took it upon herself to try to help all of these people who who are coming out and to try to hold Glory of Our to account for the wrongs that they're doing. But unless you have someone like Liz Gregory or, you know, many members who are willing to try to take a case forward, mm. a lot of people who come out of groups like these, they just want to leave it behind them. They just want to try and figure out their lives. They're pretty broken. They're, they're suffering from a lot of trauma. They've got so many issues in their own lives to figure out that to ask them to take a case forward to try to see whether they'll be able to shut down the group in some way it's a huge, huge ask. And I mean, really similar to women who have experienced Mm. sexual abuse situations, right? Like, are you going to put yourself through that court case Mm. to be treated often like (laughs) horrendously (laughs) re-victimized on the stand? Exactly. Re-traumatized on the stand. And then you might not even get a good result. Mm. So same issues, right? So Gloria Vale, that's, you know, that's quite a an isolated case of where that's based. It's sort of in the middle of, well, the West Coast, in the middle of nowhere. But would you say that there are a, a number of cults that are on our streets without us knowing, you know, in the middle of town? And 100%. Oh, my 100%. God. What, do you have any telltale signs? Not even, not even. Um, <laughs> I looked into an organisation called Outreach International, which is mostly Australian, but also a bit in Canada and a few other places. That also, before I'd covered it, nobody had ever looked into it before. I only had access to information about that group because a friend of a friend introduced me to to someone who's now become a good friend of mine. Mm. And what she went through, you know, she was she had a regular job. She was going to regular schools. They were living in a, a neighbourhood with other people around it's just that they were taught not to really value any friendships with anyone outside of the group. The the pressure to give, give, give loads of money to the leader was very high. They could only live in certain neighbourhoods. They were expected to only really socialise with other people in the organisation. So it wasn't as extreme as a case like Gloria Vale, but the controls were still there. And so she was working with people who later they listened to the podcast and they were like, I had no idea that you were going through this. I had no idea. So wow. you could easily know someone who's going through this and you would have no idea. Wow, that's so insane. With these leaders, do you find that they ever step away from the role or is it usually a leader for life? A leader for life. They never step away from the role. And they is never that because do. of ego or pride or power hunger or... Yeah. And that's the question. I always have this question. It's my most burning question with anyone I speak to is how much do you think that the leader really believed in what they were teaching and how much do you think was just about power and control? Mm. And the answer differs every single time because it's so hard to know. It always seems to me that in the case of when someone feels like they and they, I don't want to pathologize and I'm not a psychologist, so I can't diagnose anyone, but yeah. I would 
think that there's probably some type of narcissism, sociopathy, combination of some type of thing going on with most of these leaders. And they feel superior to everyone. They feel like they should have a following. And so if they start to hook hook into something that gets them that following, and sometimes they'll have tried a few things, like a few different things, and then they Mm. find the one that works. And then they start to gain a few followers and then it grows and it grows. I think then, because the way that you behave in that situation is you purge anyone who's asking any difficult questions. You surround yourself with all of the adoring people. You you do a lot of tests and make sure that you've only got the really the most How do they get rid of the ones that they're not vibing? Kick them out. Kick them out. If they're asking too many questions, kick them out. But then they'll get exposed. No, no, they won't because those people, I think if you've been kicked out, often it's a much more difficult process because you actually still really want to be there. You haven't made the choice to leave. Oh, wow. So that can, that can be really difficult too. But so I often wonder if then if they end up with this sort of following and then only surrounded by yes men, it just kind of goes to your head and it just becomes like, well, you actually buy into your own bull, right? Mm. Are you finding that the more depressing the world events become, the more prevalent these groups are emerging? I think the more fragmented that society gets, Mm. the more likely these groups are to emerge. I do think that. And I do think that a lot of the things that we could do to try and stop them from kind of popping up in the first place are to do with equality and, you know, really making people feel valued and not having these fringe elements in society. And I I don't think you're ever going to get rid of them, but I do think there must be ways that we can look at stopping someone who has this certain, you know, element to their personality from being valued in leadership. And I think it's interesting what we value in leadership. I think we should, we should be questioning quite a lot as well. Well, I was going to say like how many of these traits crossover between politicians and other leaders. That's exactly right. And if you want to look at someone who uh, many experts would suggest is a cult leader in politics, you only got to look at Donald Trump. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. And it all comes down to belonging, sense of belonging and, and, and vulnerability really, isn't it? Yeah, I spoke to an author called um, Daniela Mestanek-Young who she grew up in the Children of God and then she joined the military and she draws so many parallels between being in the military and being in the Children of God, which was a really full-on cult which kind of um, had a lot of child abuse issues going on. And uh, she she says that, yeah, the, the whole theme of her book in recounting her experiences is the extents to which people will go just to belong to really belong. And it is Mm. that that's what does drive a lot of people. You do want to belong in your friendship groups. We often make compromises and don't say what we really think in all sorts of circumstances. So it's being able to have a healthy balance to recognize when those things are happening. And that's, that's tricky to do. Wow. Are you going to continue to to research and find more and more, or are you going to, what's the future for you? I I can't see myself stopping anytime soon. <laughs> You're on the train. You can't get off. I can't get off. And it's, you know, I get emails from people all the time who want to share their stories. And, you know, it's it's really an honor to be able to offer them the platform. It's mm. it's my privilege to be able to help them tell their stories because I think it's early stages of people understanding how these dynamics work. Uh, and I think, yeah, what we can do is try to help more people understand 
So thanks for learning. Wow. (laughs) Thanks for coming on and, yeah, enlightening us about the world of cults. I mean, it's just, as you say, like there's so many misconceptions about people that join cults and why they join cults and why they don't leave. And I think you have really offered um, an extensive sort of answer to that on on why this happens and the behaviours that lead to it. And I think also there's a misconception about like what cults are and, you know, like putting them in a box that's just over there somewhere. Because if for me as personally, I'm an atheist and if mm. I think cults are all religious, well, I'm never going to fall to one. But when I see these more political ones, I'm like, oh, I could see how that might happen. Yeah. And someone, same someone in the new age world might think, oh, well, I'm I'm too enlightened to join any of these groups. But actually there are many in in any kind of aspect of society, you know, someone who's business-minded or maybe not so business-minded who might join a, a multi-level marketing company, yes. a lot of MLMs, very culty. So there are so many ways that you can be drawn into a cult. doesn't matter who you are. Wow. Fascinating. Sarah, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to read your book, it's called Do As I Say, where you go into the behaviours and all that kind of jazz um, of us human beings. We're crazy. We're, we're very fascinating beings aren't we endlessly fascinating (laughs) thank you so much sarah have an awesome rest of your day you too thanks pj i'd love to know if you're like me and after having that chat you get a little bit paranoid and you start looking at everyone you know and you're like are you secretly in a cult you leave the house you walk out on the road and you just start examining everyone going Fascinating though. I, I honestly found it so fascinating how many are existing without us even realising. If you would like to know more about that topic, Sarah Steele, go listen to her podcast, Let's Talk About Sex. There are many, many more stories, um, many more cults to learn about. It's a fantastic podcast. Highly recommend it. And if, if you want more content like this on my show, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram, the PJ Podcast. Love to know your feedback and uh, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your potty. But look, the end of year is nearly here. Go enjoy your holiday if you're lucky enough to have time off. Got some really exciting uh, episodes lined up for the new year. I'll catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.